You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. Your hosts, Thomas Castelli and Senior Advisor Ryan Carrier, filling in for Brandon Hall today, are joined with Kyle Stanley, aka Fearless Kyle, who went from a TV sports anchor to building a six-figure thriving short-term rental business in just a few short years. In this episode, we discuss his short-term rental strategy, how to identify good markets and avoid regulatory risks, tools and tech to grow your short-term rental business, how to pick a great property manager for when it's time to go passive, Airbnb arbitrage, and a lot more. We do want to let you know that we did officially release the Short-Term Rental Loophole Tax Course, which teaches you everything you need to know about the short-term rental loophole to save five to six figures in taxes. In the course, I cover an overview of the short-term rental loophole and its powerful tax benefits, how to materially participate in your short-term rentals to reduce taxes on your W-2 and other active income, how to maximize your tax savings using cost segregation studies and bonus depreciation, as well as how to avoid critical mistakes that can cost you thousands of dollars in tax savings. By the end of the course, you will know exactly what you need to do to use the short-term rental loophole to save five to six figures in taxes. With the amount of value that is included in this course and the potential tax savings, I could have easily charged upwards of $997 or perhaps even $1,500 for this course. But you know what? Because I want to help as many people people use the short-term rental loophole as possible, I'm giving it away for only $247, which is really next to nothing if you think about the potential tax savings that you can get from using a short-term rental loophole. And with bonus depreciation phasing out over the next few years, the sooner you can take advantage of the short-term rental loophole, the more tax you'll be able to save. So if you're ready to save five to six figures in taxes by using the short-term rental loophole, you can enroll in the course today by going to courses.taxsmartinvestors.com and enrolling. It's just that simple. Again, that's courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. And without further ado, we're gonna jump right into today's episode after a quick word from Landlord Studio. If you're a do-it-yourself landlord managing rental properties, Landlord Studio is made for you. The software helps landlords simplify income and expense tracking. With their easy-to-use app, you can digitize receipts, record income and expenses in real time, generate reports, and even manage leases and tenants. Plus, Landlord Studio makes late rental payments and bank visits a problem of the past with secure online rent collection. Get the rent paid directly to your bank account, and you can even automate rent reminder emails and late payment fees. Landlord Studio is also the best way to stay tax compliant. They offer a range of financial reports, including Schedule E and supplier expense reports designed for tax time. You can learn more about Landlord Studio and start your 14-day free trial at landlordstudio.com CPA and use the coupon code realestatecpa at checkout to get 25% off your plan. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA and use the code realestatecpa to get 25% off your plan today. Hey, Kyle, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners just a brief overview of your background and how you got involved in the short-term rental space? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thomas Ryan, thanks so much for having me on. I was a wannapreneur, to be honest, for about nine years before getting into real estate and short-term rentals. So the kind of roundabout way is like, you know, I 
started right out of college as a sports anchor, was on TV for a few years in a little town called Grand Junction, Colorado. What I found out very quickly was that I did not like being told what to do. So <laughs> what do we call that? We call it an entrepreneur. So I, I went and started my own business, You know, definitely found out that if you want to go and start something on your own, you need mentorship. And I was way too stubborn and didn't have enough money to pay someone to do that. So I made all the mistakes, like literally every mistake you could make. So that was my kind of six-year trial of just honing my skills. Um, if I could go back, I would just hire someone and as a mentor and help them, you know, shorten that that time gap there from six years to six months. But long story short, after trying a few different things, a multi-level marketing company, a sales job, all that good stuff, I ended up at a fortune builders event in January of 2019 learning about how to flip houses, uh, said yes to that, realized like this is what I've been honing all my skills for. This was the perfect fit. And then about five months into that journey, my second house that I was flipping, I decided to keep as a long-term rental. But as the renovation was finishing up on that, I was like, wait a second, what would this look like as a short-term rental? I'm in Fresno, California. People thought I was crazy. They're like, why would anyone come to Fresno, California for a short-term rental? Like everyone thought vacations, right? Well, it turns out that there's about 60 other reasons that people travel and it's not always involved in vacations. And so that short-term rental made me three, three and a half X times what I was going to be doing as a long-term rental. I told everyone what I was doing. I told you know all my mentors, all my real estate buddies. And from there, my business blew up without having to own the properties. And today in Central California, we have over 55 properties, the majority of which we either manage for other owners or we do a little thing called arbitrage, which I could get into later. And then we have another 10 in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. And this has happened all over the course of just about three years. So it's been a really fun journey. That's crazy. That's crazy to, to see you know, how that journey progressed and how you, how you got involved and really built up that type of business in such a short period of time. I know you're on the arbitrage side and I know you're also on the investment side. So when it comes to the properties that you actually acquire to own and operate yourself or to perhaps have someone else operate, what's your strategy there? Is there specific things you look for in a property that makes it attractive or could you break that down a little bit? Yeah, great question. So first of all, if let's just say someone is listening right now and they have no idea where they even want to start, you know, finding the right market is more important today here in 2022 than it was three years ago. Uh, three years ago, you could literally pick just about 90 to 95% of markets and be like, yeah, let's just go try it. It would probably work. Due to regulations, you know, counties kind of catching on a little bit more to how there's some really good hosts and then there's some really bad hosts. You know, there's been a lot more things that have restricted us from being able to to make a good first move in a market. So that would be my first move is just making sure it's A, legal and B, scalable in a specific market. And how do you do that? You just go to your government website, look up short-term rental regulations, and it'll show you things like, hey, you know, 30-day minimums. And I don't really want to do 30-day minimums. I'm tra- especially, you know, with the tax code that I know you guys talk about a lot, you know, we want to have seven-day stays or less. If they have anything like, you know, there's a certain number of permits and you call the city and, you know, 95% of those permits have been sold already, probably not a good place to do it as well. So it's just things like that that you need to look for. And then from there, if you get the okay from the the city with regulations, now um, just doing the deal right. And of course, looking into the numbers, what's it going to make? What's your expenses going to be? What's your cash on cash returns going to be? That's a whole training itself. But in terms of the actual property, I want to have pretty typically across the board, 
a three, two is going to work the best. There's some exceptions to that little beach towns sometimes are better with the one ones because it's more of a, a couple's getaway than a family getaway. So just knowing your market a little bit more in regards to that is really important. A safe neighborhood is a non-negotiable. If you wouldn't walk your dog and uh, you know stroll your kid at night with your wife or husband when it's you know dark out, then it's just not a place that you want to have a short-term rental. So I would say those are the two main things. And honestly, like, do you have an opportunity to find a team in that area that will eventually make this passive for you? I get a lot of questions. A lot of people too come to me saying, and this is kind of a tangent, but this is a really common thing that I think is important. A lot of people say, hey, I want to have 20 different Airbnbs in 20 different cities because I want to go and I want to stay in that Airbnb for free. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But do you want to have 20 different touch points to check in with on a daily basis, 20 different cleaners, 20 different managers, 20 different handymen. Like that sounds like a nightmare and a half for me. So I'd much rather have 20 in one area, make a crap ton of money and then be able to afford to travel anywhere I want. So that's what I would recommend to people. Yeah. Instead of having 20 different states and counties to check their kind of legal uh, requirements and whatnot, just being able to look into one and make sure you understand that that makes sense. And it's good for diversity, you know, right? If, if that county shuts down, you don't have all your eggs in one basket for sure. But you'll find in this business, especially if you're not going to use a management company and you're saying, hey, I want to hire the cleaner. I want to have the team on my own because I want to keep most of the profits. Well, you're going to have a lot of these moving parts that until you're making enough money in that market, you're not going to be able to outsource those things appropriately or with enough intensity to where you are removing yourself from the business. It took me about 10 properties to almost completely remove myself from the business, from the guest communication, from the communicating with cleaners, from the bookkeeping, from all that stuff. It took about 10 properties. If you have not, you know, let's call it five properties, you know, you're not making enough money in most markets to be able to outsource everything. And so that's a hands-on job. So now if I go do that in three different markets, I have a hands-on job in three different markets and that's a lot of work. So I recommend you master it in one area, you automate it, and then you can scale and, and diversify into other areas. That's a perfect segue into our next question, which is what other kind of tools or technology do you use in your business to kind of help you, like you said, automate and get things efficient? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, evaluating a deal, uh, there's a product called Air DNA. You can get a free version, or if you want to pay for your specific market, typically around $40 to $70, depending upon how big your market is. So that's like the MLS of Airbnb and short-term rentals to where you could literally say, hey, I've got a 3-2 on Main Street. It's got a pool. We're going to add a hot tub. I can look on properties on Main Street or 1st Street and 2nd Street within a certain area and look for similar properties and see what is their nightly rate? What is their occupancy rate? How much money did they make over the last 12 uh, rolling months? It's a really great tool. The important thing about that tool is that it has really good data and then it has really bad data. So the thing about Airbnb and short-term rentals, right, is that we have a lot of hosts like me that know what we're doing. We have 50 properties. We know the algorithm. We know what makes it pop. And then we also have the mom and pop shop who say, Hey, I want to do one. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And they make close to no money that first year. And so we don't want to use those kinds of comps. We want to use the good ones. So 
I do have um, guys. I don't know if, if it's okay for me to mention, and I can even give a discount to your audience. Is is it okay for me to yeah, share for that? Go for it. Yeah. So on my website, fearlesskyle.com, under the Airbnb tab, we have a market eval kit for you guys. Since uh, you know, I want to I want to give your audience a little freebie. Um, the market eval kit is usually ninety seven dollars. If you use the code Mastermind with a capital M, Mastermind, you'll get forty dollars off. So it's only fifty seven bucks. It's a three-hour training that will literally teach you how to evaluate a market and then evaluate a deal so you know almost down to the penny what you can make on that property. So I think that's the number one thing. The number one tool that I would master first is AirDNA. From there, you get your first property. And now you want to automate some of the, the processes. The main thing is guest communication and pricing. So guest communication, hospitable is a really good one. Hospitable essentially automates about 80 to 90% of your communication so that if a guest is checking in, they're getting an automated message with their check-in rules. Uh, if the guest is checking out, they get the automated checkout instructions. So it's things like that that you can do. And then the Price Labs, Price Labs is awesome. We also have a free trial for that. Um, I can get you guys that link if you want to drop it in your show notes. But that free trial is 30 days and it literally is going to check out supply and demand in your area and will price you according to supply and demand. So if it's high occupancy in your area. Call it, you know, we just passed 4th of July. All of our properties are at peak prices because of the high occupancy. If we're at low occupancy, then our prices are going to go down a little bit to try to be a little bit more attractive and to fill in those gaps. So those are the three that I would recommend. AirDNA, Hospitable, and Price Labs. That's awesome. I think Price Labs is fantastic. Uh, I use that on my short-term rental that I have. Do you have anything for cleaners specifically? I know finding a good cleaner uh, yeah. can be tough. So anything for that? Great question. Um, so turnover BNB is a quick solution for short term. Hey, I just you know need to get a bid. You can literally post your house on turnover BNB for free. You get a bid from call it five cleaners. You pick the one that you like the most. Uh, you're going to pay somewhere around 3% of whatever you are paying that cleaner to turn over BNB. That's how they make their money. We've found that that's a really good short-term solution, but most of those cleaners that jump on turnover BNB, they're trying to find a bunch of you know one-off jobs and they're not necessarily looking to be loyal to one person and their business. So we've found that loyalty is the number one trait that we're looking for in cleaners. And if we can find a loyal cleaner, it's typically going to come through either Facebook Marketplace, Indeed, you know, some of these types of places that you wouldn't necessarily only be looking for cleaners, that it opens it up to a lot of other types of people. And also just by you know posting on our social medias and sharing, hey, this is uh, what I'm looking for and see, getting your friends to tag their best friends saying like, hey, I know Sarah's looking for extra income. She's not done any like professional cleaning, but she's got a flexible schedule and she's ready to learn. You know, that's where we found a lot of our cleaners as well as we literally just bring them in and train them up and uh, they stay loyal because they're just looking for some extra income. They don't necessarily come with a quote unquote professional cleaning background, but we we train them up to be professional cleaners. So that's been our number one for finding loyal cleaners. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, developing them from the ground up sometimes does create that loyalty. So I, I know you mentioned before, there's good hosts out there and then there's some bad ones. Like, What does a good host look like versus what does the bad host look like? A bad host is, and, and you know, it's it's not necessarily that they're you know 
intentionally being bad. They just don't know. Like I was a bad host my first year. We had neighbors calling us. Literally, I had a neighbor, just so you know, <laughs> this was funny. Neighbor called me. I was like, hey, whoever your management company is, you need to fire them. And I was like, I am my management company. He's like, well, then you need to hire one. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. So the reason that we were pissing off neighbors is because we didn't have a pre-qualification process to where we could figure out like, hey, this person has zero reviews and they're local. And they said that they're coming to visit their grandma for one night on a Friday. Red flag. Those are the things that we know to look for now to be able to kind of filter out the bad guests and be a better neighbor. So now we rarely get party situations. We rarely get noise complaints. Happens once in a blue moon now, whereas before it would be almost a every weekend occurrence. So that's that's one trait. Uh, another trait would be not understanding the algorithm that Airbnb has. Also, you know, just a heads up, BRBO is going to get a little bit more on the same page as Airbnb with these optimizations. So, you know, having a really good set of professional photos and having a really good response time and making sure you're priced appropriately. These are all things that Airbnb looks at for their algorithm to eventually, you know, if you go onto Airbnb and you search in a certain market, you'll see, hey, my listing is showing up first. Why is my listing showing up on the, the first page? Well, it's because I probably have all these things that make it a really good listing. And then if you look at the last page, you see all the cell phone photos, you see the, the poor listing titles, you see that the places are highly priced or way too low priced. And so their, their calendars are really not very healthy calendars. And so those are the things that Airbnb will look at in order to, to judge the algorithm. So again, first would be just the type of neighbor you are. Second would be knowing the algorithm. And then third would be knowing how to treat your guests like you should. And that'll be reflected in the review. So making sure that you are giving your guests a great experience so that you get those five-star reviews to get to super host status, which again, will bump you up in the algorithm as well. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of switching gears just a little bit. Is there any sort of concerns over kind of state or local regulations disrupting the business that you're aware of or Anything new that's come up that you should make our audience aware of? Yeah. So I would say that due to the fact of what I talked about earlier, you know, over the last three years, there's been definitely a progression in cities not allowing it. This is the to me one of those things that if you're looking to build a business out of this, let's let's just kind of determine that. If you're looking to build a business out of this, this is really good advice. If you're looking to just get like one or two and just make those cash flowing machines and manage it yourself and take advantage of the tax code, yada, yada, this is not necessarily the advice for you guys. But if you're looking to build a business out of this, do it in your own backyard or as close to your own backyard that has minimal regulations. That way you can learn the skills, you can learn the process, you can learn exactly what you can do or not do in order to maximize your revenue and lower the amount of time that you're putting into it so you can work on your business instead of in your business. Then go and find that market that you said, okay, this city maybe is going to come down with regulations based on trends. Like for me in central California, we're one of the only counties in California that doesn't have really strict regulations. So what does that mean? That means that probably maybe in the next five years, there's eventually going to be those strict regulations that just naturally get blended in and we become just like the rest of California. So what do I do? I start expanding myself into places like Phoenix, Arizona and say, hey, Arizona actually has laws that say you can't ban short-term rentals. That's already been passed by the state. So that's a better place for me to go for long-term uh not long-term, what's the word I'm looking for, is a solid foundation for the business, right? And so 
that's the things that I would be looking for is, can I just master it in my own backyard? And meanwhile, just be doing some research on what's the best states, what's the best cities that I can go to and build a team from there that will have a really solid foundation for that business. So that's to me, to your to answer your question, Ryan, I think that would be the the first step that I would be taking. That's amazing advice because I know there's a lot of people out there who are concerned about that. So that's excellent advice on the route to go. Now, you know, I know a lot of our clients, our listeners here, what they do is they'll buy their short-term rental uh, in the first year. They'll actively participate in it. They'll go ahead and they'll want to use the short-term rental loophole because it could save them a lot of money in taxes, basically. We've seen so many of our clients do it. And uh, if you do want to learn about that, again, you can check out the course. We have the short-term rental course at courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. But then after the first year, what they typically will do is they'll want to maybe make it passive. Not everybody, but some people want to make it passive. And uh, you know, one way to do that is getting a property manager on board. What kind of tips would you have for someone looking for an Airbnb or you know, a short-term rental property manager in general? Some questions they should ask or just some tips they should know while they're going about that process. Yeah. So first of all, we're not property managers. We are, we call ourselves a lot of different things. I call myself a hospitality manager. Reason being every single state is different. Some view us as the same as property managers, but most do not because we are getting tax via hotel tax. So make sure, first of all, that you know, in, in regards to your city, if you're even thinking about hiring one or going into a specific city or state that you understand those laws and make sure that, hey, if my property manager is supposed to have a license, do they? Or if I'm going to become a hospitality manager or a property manager, do I even need one to do this? So on top of that, basically, Thomas, I would say the big ones to stay away from. I just had a conversation with someone who's transferring over from one of those big ones. Um, you know, I'll name a few turnkey, Bacosta, Evolve, you know, those are the big ones. You're going to be a number in their business. You're not going to be able to have direct communication with that person. You're going to have, you know, an account manager or you're going to have a hotline that you call every single time you have an issue and you got to you got to re-explain your entire situation. It's not built for a good relationship. And you know, that was actually a conversation I had with someone who's, who was moving over to us yesterday and they were like, "Yeah, you know, my place that I have a mortgage of $1800, they booked a 90-day stay at $1000 per month." And when I called them, you know, they had no idea who I was, where my property was. They had to go and look at all this stuff. And they were like, yeah, so sorry. It's uh, too bad, but that's that's the booking that we got. You know, that's just not, that's not the kind of company that you're going to want to work with. So how do you find the right one? First of all, cohostmarket.com is a really good website that you could go to and look for super hosts in the area that are actually advertising themselves as managers. Uh, that would be a first step. Second step, once you get one of those types of people on the phone is, how many properties do you have and how often am I able to have a conversation with you? And what's the availability that I can have to you? And you know, that's the kind of stuff. Am I going to have a relationship? And not necessarily like people who I manage for, they don't necessarily have me as their contact, but my team, they have availability in my team. They can call my team anytime. And my team knows them. My team has built a relationship with them. And for that reason, it feels like one of the mom and pop shops, but we know what we're doing. Um, I would also look at their reviews on Airbnb. Also, do they have a Google page? Do they have a website to be able to get direct bookings? Are there reviews on that as well? And you know, what kind of experience am I going to be able to get from these people? If you are, you know, someone that is in a, you know, let's say a cabin area and this person has done nothing but 
urban and rural stays, is that really someone that's ready to take on your property? Because you have a much more unique type of property compared to that person. So does your property fit in their portfolio? And is that person going to give the type of experience that you want? So those are the things that I would definitely look for. On top of that, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like make sure that you're getting some sort of evaluation from them in the beginning that shows, hey, here's exactly how we expect this property to perform. And here's what's going to go into your pocket. And as long as you're on that same page, then you have something to reference every single time that that property either outperforms or underperforms because you can go back to that evaluation and say, hey, what's going on? This is what you evaluated, but this is not what we're getting. So those are the the main things that I would do. And then of course, once the contract comes out, make sure you have a lawyer that's looking at it to make sure that you're protected as well. Absolutely. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. It's always tough to find people who you can trust to manage your property, whether it be short-term rentals or long-term rentals. So excellent advice. Now I know that there's another very popular strategy where it comes to Airbnb and that's arbitrage. It's not something we've really broken down yet on the podcast. And I know it's something you have a lot of experience in. Would you be able to give our listeners kind of a brief overview of what Airbnb arbitrage is and kind of how that works, why they might want to use it as a strategy? Yeah, we, we could sit here and, and get really complicated with it, but I'll just keep it really simple. You you rent out the house from a landlord and then you sublease it on Airbnb and you keep all the profits, right? So when I heard that you do not have to own the house, and by the way, with the permission of the landlord, that's the key thing. So there's an art to having that conversation. It's not just, hey, I want to rent your place. And then you go behind their back. We, we don't do that. So when I heard that you could do this, the first call I made was to Airbnb. And I said, hey, do you need like a deed or anything to my house in order for me to list it? They're like, no, you can list whichever house you want. And then my second question was, how many houses can I list? And they said, an unlimited. And I said, okay, here we go. <laughs> so that's how I went from zero to 65 in three years was essentially using this model. Arbitrage is where I got started. And then I moved over to the co-hosting model, which again, is what we've been talking about with that hospitality management side. So yeah, I mean, honestly, outside of just keeping it really simple, that really is just the arbitrage model. I rent it out. I list it on Airbnb. I keep all the profits. So if my rent is call it $2,000 and my utilities is another $500, it's $2,500 of expenses. I rent the house out for $200 a night for, let's say I get booked for 20 nights. That's $4,000, 4,000 minus 2,500. I just made $1,500 on a house that I do not own. And it took me about 10 to $15,000 to furnish and to get it ready for Airbnb. Typically, you're going to make your money back on a good deal in about six months on an arbitrage. And then from there, you have a, a cash flowing piece of your business that you don't own the problems with. You don't, you know, if there's, if the roof has an issue, if the foundation has an issue, if the AC goes out, that is all still on the owner. They're treating you just like a regular tenant, but you have a business that you're running in there. That's crazy. I mean, that's you really could get started in that really it doesn't seem like there's that much. Unlike so when you go and buy a normal short-term rental property, you have to have you know down payments or you have to get financing or you have to get equity partners, all this different stuff. You have to have the money, right? To go into it. Sounds like this can get you can get started on this, get a cash flowing business with relatively little capital. Yeah, relatively little capital and you nailed it on the head. The timing, like I don't have to wait for escrow, I don't have to wait for renovations to get completed. I don't have to get pre-approved for a loan. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And that's what allows me to be able to move at a fast pace. You know, I thought I moved pretty fast. I've got one of my students that just joined us in February. So it's been not even five months. The dude already has 35 contracts signed 
for arbitrage and another 15 for co-hosting. He just sent me a text the other day saying, check it out. And he showed his, his bank account already since February. He's collected over $500,000 on Airbnb. That's gross revenue. Net is probably going to be close to about, you know, because most of his are arbitrage, you know, 30 to 40% of that. He's literally created a gross business of a million dollars in under six months. It's on pace for that and net of over six figures. And he doesn't own any of these houses. But now what is created is an opportunity for him to say, hey, cool, I'm making 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a month. I can go buy a house every other month with 20% down with that kind of money and just go the traditional route. So that's what we're doing right now. That's the point of our business that I'm in as well is you know, we bought three houses in the last six months and we're just going to keep on buying uh, despite, you know, all the noise going on right now of, oh my gosh, interest rates are higher and yada, yada. No, we want, we want to buy as much as we can right now. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it. I, I love that strategy. I haven't implemented it. I have maybe a couple of clients that have talked to me about that, but that's, that's awesome, especially a student doing so well. Uh, kind of besides the hospitality manager role that you guys play, how else do you guys help short-term rental investors besides that? Yeah. I mean, I'm a coach for short-term rental hosts. So whether you have one and you just want to, you know, completely blow up that one and and maximize the revenue and reduce the amount of time that you're putting into it. Or if you're like me or like the student I just mentioned, and you want to build a business out of this and have multiple units with, you know, six, seven figures of cash flow, that's something that we're helping with as well. My free resources, I've got a YouTube channel and a podcast, The Fearless Investor. And then I also have my website, fearlesskyle.com. That's going to you know have a bunch of that content as well. Instagram is fearlesskyle. We also have the biggest Airbnb Facebook group in the world for Airbnb hosts. And that's called Airbnb Masterminds. We have over 130,000 members on that. So any of those resources are free. And like I said earlier, if, if I could go back in time and, and get a mentor and get some help, you know, YouTube was not a thing for me back in 2010 when I was starting a business. That was not a thought of like, oh yeah, I'm starting a business. Let's go and check things out on YouTube. Today, we literally have that. And you now have the access to people like myself who are doing these YouTube channels to get the one-on-one help too. So any of those routes is going to just help expedite your success in this business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead. If anybody wants to check that out, fearlesskyle.com, we're going to go ahead and drop that into the show notes below. Kyle, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. It's been amazing to learn about Airbnb arbitrage specifically, if not something we've talked about here, but also all the other great advice you shared about running an Airbnb business tools and everything. So I want to thank you again. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Hey, before we go, I wanted to remind you about the short-term rental course, which breaks down everything you need to know about the short-term rental loophole to save five to six figures in taxes. After helping dozens of private clients and hundreds of bootcamp students, we wanted to help as many investors as possible use this strategy. And with bonus depreciation starting to phase out, the sooner you can take advantage of this short-term rental loophole, the bigger your potential tax savings. So if you don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity, you can enroll in by going to www courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. Again, that's courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. That's all for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. 
to become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.